0: Oh so um <clears throat> they were kept asking me, "Well, what is the title of the message tonight?" And so uh, the title of the message tonight is "Things God is Saying." That way you can just talk about anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but really, that is what I titled it, because um, when we were in uh, Texas this past week, well, God was talking to me about things. You know, I remember what Pastor Webb used to say. He said, "Anywhere you can go you go, you can learn something." No matter what church you go to, you can learn something. You may learn what not to do, but you'll learn something anywhere you go. Amen? So Texas was like that. We learned some things. I learned some things, and God was uh, talking to me a lot in the middle of the night because I wasn't doing any sleeping hardly the whole time I was there. Hallelujah. As soon as we got in the car, headed home, I conked out, and we got to, as far as Weatherford, Texas coming back, and... uh uh, we went to bed at 8.30. We got in the bed at 8.30 <laughs> and slept there, until the alarm went off next morning. Somebody had left the alarm on the hotel room. Eric and Collins say me and his dad always have a hotel room story. Something's always... Crazy about our hotel room it don 't matter where we are <laughs> something is, something's crazy about it, so anyway, God been taught talk, was talking to me about some things, so I want to talk about those tonight, and I believe they'll help you too so let 's pray tonight, Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for speaking to us tonight. thank you, Father, for uh bringing things clear to us that maybe we've not seen before or father things we need to see better thank you father god for perfecting that which concerns us thank you father god for showing us keys to the kingdom things that will unlock the places we need to go for you the things we need to do for you father thank you for unfolding and revealing divine destiny and oh father we just give you all the praise and glory for it and we expect to hear from you tonight in jesus name amen Amen. Amen. Well, we need to keep our ear tuned all the time because God's talking to us all the time. When you go on vacation, don't turn your ear off. Hallelujah. And I heard somebody say this, and this is a, I'm going to do this. It's like next time you're awake in the middle of the night, ask God why you're awake. Hallelujah. Because there's probably a reason that you're awake. He may say, don't eat that pizza anymore. But there's a reason, hallelujah, even if it's a reason that, you know, it wasn't really God, hallelujah. Uh, Colin was telling us about his, one of the guys that worked for him, that he ordered, what is it, it, Domino's? I think it's Domino's, that it's like uh, seven toppings or something. Y'all don't know. Anyway, you can pick seven toppings. And he had, on his pizza, he had pepperoni, hamburger, sausage, Italian sausage, chicken, and extra sauce. And he couldn't come to work the next day. He was sick. I'm like, no wonder. (laughs) But anyway, that sounds perfectly horrible to me. But anyway, some of you got hungry just thinking about it. Anyway, the one thing that God was is saying right now, and saying to all of us, is He's saying we need to be thankful. He says we need to be thankful for what we have, and uh, I, I noticed even uh, we were singing songs today about being thankful, and and that's what God's speaking right now is you need to be thankful for what you have. Turn with me to Psalm. Oh, I was going to talk about this too. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I, whoever gave me this, thank you for it. Uh, and it's a little uh, bracelet, but it was really cute. It's called on the little title of it is glory girls club and i'm like well and i promise i didn't get the idea for the glory girls club from this but anyway i thought hmm how neat and i'm amazed that you can find these things but that was really cute thank you and so turn to psalm 100 verse 4 hi glory So, uh, you know, this might not be real long tonight. On the hand, it may be really long. Sometimes when you think you don't have much to say, you end up having a lot to say. And sometimes when you think you have a lot to say, you don't have nothing to say. So, um... And so Psalm 100 verse 4, and we're talking about being thankful for what you have. He says to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And I like this last part. I think we kind of focus on the first part mostly because we have a song that talks about enter his gates with thanksgiving. We hardly ever see this last part of the verse. It says be thankful unto him and bless his name. Be thankful unto him we need to be thankful for what we have there is a verse of scripture in second corinthians 8:12 i'm kind of taking it out of context but this is what uh, this is kind of a little phrase that's been rolling around in my heart concerning this being thankful and in 2 Corinthians 8:12 it's actually talking about offerings and and how God receives your offerings but it says for if there be first a willing mind it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. And the Holy Spirit's been kind of running that little phrase in me, not according to what you have, not according to what you hath not. If you get focused on what you hath not, or what you, let's get this into regular English, according to what you don't have, you will forget to be thankful for what you do have. And it's really easy to get, thank, get focused on what you don't have. You know, uh, we don't have this. We don't have that. Maybe, you know, we don't have this amount. We don't have enough money for this. We don't have enough money for that. Well, get, get to focusing on something else. Get to focusing on what you have and it'll make you very thankful. And there's ways to get thankful. Sometimes just to see, uh, to take a look at some other people can get you really thankful. Going to Texas got me very thankful for some things in Alabama. And, uh, you know, I'm not being critical because, I mean, uh, when we were in Seminole, we thought we were living in heaven on earth. Why? Because it was the perfect will of God, and it was heaven on earth. When you're in the perfect will of God, you're in heaven on earth. Uh, I know this is true. We went to Russia. There was a missionary over there. I can't remember their names. I think they had four kids over there. She was pregnant with another one, and they're like, like in Ivanova, Russia, there's a, they, the, the rumor was, I think it was 100,000 people, is that right? Maybe more than that. Might have been more than that. Does anybody remember? 500,000 people. Yeah, it was, I, I was thinking that didn't sound big enough. But anyway, 500,000 people. The rumor was there was one washing machine in all of that town. That there was one vacuum cleaner in all of that town. But you know what? They were just happy, happy, happy. They were so happy. They just loved what they were doing. They just loved being in Russia... Hallelujah! Why? Because it was the perfect will of God. And when you're in the perfect will of God, it's kind of like it. It's kind of like it's not that you don't know you have, uh, don't have a washing machine, you don't have a vacuum cleaner, but it's like those things just kind of diminish into the background. So it's important that we be thankful uh, for what we have. Hallelujah! So, so don't think about what you don't have. Not according to what you have not, but according to what you have. Um, <coughs> So you have to decide i 'm going to focus on what I have, on what I have, and what I have not. Now, uh, this kind of came up in our hearts this week because um, we were with family, and sometimes and so uh, i don 't want to go into all the gory details, and you don't want me to, but hallelujah, but anyway. Uh, there was some discussion going on, not bad discussion or anything, just talking. We talked a lot this week. I was wore out from talking because my mom didn't have TV. And I was with her 48 hours, no TV. And you say, well, that was a blessing. Well, in one way it really was because I really didn't miss the TV in one way. But, you know, um, when you you don't have a TV, all you can do is communicate. You know, if you have a TV, every once in a while you say, well, let's watch the news or something, you know. And you can kind of quit talking for a little while. So 48 hours of talking except for when I wasn't sleeping in the middle of the night. And so um, anyway... (coughs) we talked a lot but one of the things we got to discussing is because you can get so focused on on the wrong thing and so we were sitting at the table one day and we said well you know and we got to getting really thankful we said well you know we don't have not one person in our family and we're not just talking about my family because I have three step sisters and two step sisters and a, a step brother on that side and they have a bunch of kids and so and uh, so We got to thinking, we got to saying, you know, out of all our family, nobody's in prison. We had something to be thankful about. Amen. We said out of all our family, uh, my mother said, I've never had to bail one of my kids or grandkids out of jail. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. You know, and we said, you know, nobody's, everybody's in good health in the family. Because, you know, there were some things my mother wasn't liking about things that in the family that was going on. But when you get in perspective, those seem like little things compared to, you know, we said, you know, nobody's on drugs in our family. Not one alcoholic in our family family hallelujah and you can just get to thinking about how blessed you are amen everybody's working in the family hallelujah everybody's got she's not having to support any of them she ought to be real thankful about that hallelujah hallelujah so we have a lot to be thankful about we thought about you know we don't have any we don't have any um we, I told her, I said, we've never, I, we've never faced death in our family. Well, she has, of course, as a little girl, her mother died when she was 12. But, but you know, in what was that? Man, I tell you, that had to be 1940 something. So, uh, you know, since then, we've never faced death in our family. And I said, she said, well, yeah, uh, and she talked about my grandparents, Hixie and Doyle. I said, mother, that's not facing death. They were 90 years old. I mean, that's not facing death, folks. That's just passing over to the other side. Facing death is when your eighteen year old gets killed in a car wreck and stuff. That's facing death. And I realize some of you have, and praise God, God's healed you and delivered you and you've overcome. Hallelujah! Praise God, and you and you've been, um, you have, you look forward to a future with them. Hallelujah! I like what a. Oh, what's her name? That was Miss America, Pruitt, Cheryl Pruitt Salem says about Gabriella, her little dirt girl that died of brain cancer. She said God spoke to me and said, "Gabriella not in your past; she's in your future." Hallelujah! And so you know, our children and our uh, those things that have happened that aren't good. Hallelujah! Those those children are in our future. Hallelujah! Praise God! So we can be uh, we can still rejoice. We don't have to mourn as the uh, as others mourn, but um. And so we get, we begin to count our blessings and think of those things that we were blessed by and how thankful we were. And I bet you can just sit down and think of all. And you can, you know, when there's nobody homeless in our family, you know, think about it. There's nobody in your family that's missing. Do y'all see those ads on TV where disappeared? This one's been missing this long. This one. Can you imagine anything worse? I think it's worse than death to have one of your children missing. Hallelujah. Wouldn't you rather know they were in heaven with Jesus? I mean, y'all may not, but anyway, whatever, however you look at it. But so we have a lot to be thankful for. Nobody's missing. You know, we said in our family, we said, hey, nobody's in Iraq right now. Now, one of her grandsons, their grandsons got back from Iraq, but nobody's in Iraq. Nobody's in, a, you know, nobody's over in the line of fire right now. Praise God. Hallelujah! So a lot to be thankful for. So focus on those things uh, <coughs> that are, are that you have to be thankful for. Colossians chapter three fifteen. All of you have a lot to be thankful for. You know, one thing we have to be thankful for is that we have this church. And it's, I mean, there are towns all over America where there are spirit-filled people who love God, and they don't have anywhere to go to church on Sunday morning, where there's other spirit-filled people, and or, they're, or they don't have anywhere to go to hear the Word preached. And all they're living on is uh, Brother Copeland and them. All, and praise God for that. Praise God that you know they're they're able to get something off a of TV to live on. But we we ought to be thankful that we have what we have. Amen? Amen. We have so much to be thankful for. And it says, And let the peace of God, verse 15 of Colossians 3... Peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. We ought to be more thankful than we are, and we ought to be thanking God a lot, all day, every day, thanking Him. The Jews know this principle. They are, they are they they the 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 Jews have a principle that you're always thanking God every day, every time. If you see a flower, you're thanking thanking God. If you see the sun come up, you're thanking God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we could be practicing that more and being more thankful. The second thing God's saying tonight is to keep your problems in perspective. Now all of us have things that in our lives that we need to keep in perspective. Now I was not like I said, I did not sleep well for several nights and there's a lot of little factors. I know when you're 20, you don't understand this, because when I was 20, I could sleep on a rock too after drinking four caffeine-filled Cokes. You know, I could drink four caffeine-filled Cokes, go lay down, go sleep on a rock. But I don't know, it's not like that anymore. I bet Kevin could sleep on a rock and caffeine wouldn't faze him one bit. One reason that is because you're probably sleep-deprived, and so, you know, anyway, (laughs) hallelujah. So it's like he can probably just get still and conk out, you know. I'm not trying to pick on you, but... Anyway, so, uh, you know, there was temperature, there was noises that I wasn't used to, there was this bed, and we won't even go into that, of my mother's, and pastor wasn't there. That was another thing. He, we split up, he went to his mom's for two nights, I stayed at my mom's for two nights, and I missed him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. And so, you know, I had all these little issues. And so the last night, it was like two hours of sleep. One o'clock in the morning, I finally, I think around then I went to sleep. Three o'clock in the morning, I feel a bug crawl across my lip. (laughs) Oh my word. Hallelujah. So I kill this and right across here. So I get up and I and I'm squeezing him. And I'm I'm go, and I'm going to the bathroom for nobody so nobody can hear me and because I wanna know if this is a spider. I've got to know if this I cannot sleep if I do not know if this is a spider. So I turn on the light, it was just a little black bug. But it's but I was awake after that. Hallelujah. <laughs> You know, the, they, I had told them I don't need the fan. I don't like fans. I don't like the noise. The noise of a fan bothers me, so don't sleep under a fan. So I'd had them turn the fans off, and then uh, they don't run their air conditioner because, you know, that call, oh, when people get older, they're like, I want to save some money. So they're saving money, and so it's like, so what? And I'm like, okay, but I can't reach the fan thing because it's over the middle of the bed. So I'm like, t- 1 o'clock in the morning, I'm getting a coat hanger. And I'm trying to wrap this coat hanger around around this chain, and it's not working. So I get in the closet, and I finally find a plastic coat hanger. And I get that plastic coat hanger hooked on there, get the fan turned on, get the light turned off, but I can't get them off. So the next morning, you know, they've got two plastic coat hangers hanging on their, <laughs> on their fans. But uh, anyway... So I'm like, you know, and I'm frustrated. I can't, I'm not sleeping. I've got two hours of sleep. I want to sleep, Lord. I'm not sleeping. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of something. He reminded me of something. He reminded me of Corey Ten Boom. And I don't know if any of you have ever read The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. He reminded me. And this is the page he reminded me of. So I found it this weekend. <coughs> and this is when... They, of course, she's a Christian who had hid Jews. She's not Jewish, but she's been punished like Hitler punished the Jews. They punished anybody that hid Jews, too. And so she's a Christian, but and they moved her to Ravensbrück, the uh, concentration camp. Some of you may have heard of it. And so I'll just read you one little page out of this. And this is what the Holy Spirit reminded me of when he said, You need to get your problems in perspective, Debbie. You know? <coughs> Because I was thinking, boy, wouldn't she have thought this bed was nice? Wouldn't she have thought, bet she wouldn't have thought it was hot. Bet she wouldn't have minded a little bug crawling across her lip. We need to toughen up a little, don't we? I mean, myself, myself included. It says, on either side, doors open into two They're taking her into this place for the first time. On either side, doors opened into two still larger rooms, by far the largest dormitories we had yet seen. Betsy and I followed a prisoner guide through the door at the right. Because of the broken windows, the vast room was in semi-twilight. Our noses told us first that the place was filthy. Somewhere, plumbing had backed up. The bedding was soiled and rancid. Then as our eyes adjusted to the gloom, we saw that there were no individual beds at all, but great square piers stacked three high and wedged side by side and end to end with only an occasional narrow aisle slicing through. We followed our guide single file. The aisle was not wide enough for two, fighting back the claustrophobia of those platforms rising everywhere above us. The tremendous room was nearly empty of people. They must have been out on various work crews, At last, she pointed to a second tier in the center of a large block. To reach it, we had to stand on the bottom level, haul ourselves up, and then crawl across three other straw-covered platforms to reach the one that we would share with how many. The deck above us was too close to let us sit up. We lay back, struggling against the nausea that swept over us from the reeking straw. We could hear the women who had arrived with us finding their places. Suddenly I sat up, striking my head on the cross slats above. Something had pinched my leg. Fleas, I cried. Betsy, the place is swarming with them. We scrambled across the intervening platforms, heads low to avoid another bump, dropped down to the aisle and edged our way to a patch of light. Here and here another one, I wailed. Betsy, how can we live in such a place? Show us, show us how. It was said so matter-of-factly, it took me a second to realize she was praying. More and more, the distinction between prayer and the rest of life seemed to be vanishing for Betsy. And in the middle of the night, with my little... Problems all blown out of proportion. God remind me of Corey Ten Boom in a concentration camp. Hallelujah. So we ought to get in. We need to get our problems in perspective. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Later in the book, Betsy and Corey find out that those fleas are a blessing because there's fleas in that room. The guards don't come. The guards stay out of there, which enables them to teach the Bible. Every night, every night when they came in from working, they taught the Bible, and the guards stayed away because of the fleas. That reminded me of something Brother Hagen always says. He says the things you cry about today, you'll laugh about tomorrow. We need to get our problems and our situations. Our problems, maybe not that's not the right word, but get the situation we need to get everything in perspective, don't we? You know the devil wants to make mountains out of all your mole hills, Amen. The third thing the holy spirit's saying. <clears throat> you know, you, like I said, you can learn something when you go somewhere, no matter what, is you need to guard against unrealistic expectations. Now, Pastor, I thought he was going to get myself, get me this morning because he got over on unrealistic expectations, but we always have a little bit of different way of looking at things. I mean, I'll come up at it from one way, he'll come at it from another, so I'll still talk about this tonight. But, <clears throat> you know, the unrealistic expectations are things that we dream up out of the natural mind, God expects us to have big expectations, supernatural expectations. And supernatural expectations come from the Word of God and from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We're to think big and dream big. Amen? But one of the things He doesn't want us to do is have unrealistic expectations. Because if you have unrealistic expectations, you'll live in a perpetual state of disappointment, which, like Pastor's been talking to us, will, will affect our lives, actually limit us and Keep our faith from working. So let me give you some unrealistic expectations. And these are things that I've thought about this week or I've heard other people talk about this week. I heard somebody say, I want to see my grandkids every day. And I'm like, that's unrealistic. That is, you know, that is an unrealistic expectation. When someone gets an expectation like that, they're setting themselves up for disappointment. That might work when your grandkids are little, but how many of you know? So many people, like Pastor said, wrap themselves up in their kids and all their happiness is in their children. And then those kids grow up. I know I got my grandmother. I went every summer and stayed a month. All, all the time I'm a little girl, I'm going every summer and stayed a month. But when I got to be about, well, I guess it was about ninth grade, I didn't want to go stay a month with Granny Hixie. I wanted to be with my friends. A boy might drive by my house in a whole month. (laughs) Hallelujah. So uh, unrealistic expectations can make us very unhappy. Here's another unrealistic expectation, that everybody is going to act right. You are are setting yourself up to be disappointed, to be crushed, to be devastated. If you ever think everybody in your family is going to act right at the same time anyway, Hallelujah. Another one here is, everybody is going to like me. That is an unrealistic expectation. I don't care how charming you are, how wonderful you are. It, the devil is, designs it so that somebody is not going to like you. Amen. You can be the nicest person on earth and somebody won't like you. In fact, sometimes the nicer you are, you make them old grumps and them old grouches feel guilty and they don't like you just because you're so happy. You know, hallelujah. So that's an unrealistic expectation. I know the pastor's wife, when Seminole before me said, and she said it devastated her when she figured out everybody wasn't going to like Trudy Staples. Number four, here's another one. Every member of this church will be here every Sunday. Now, I know you think that is crazy, Debbie, but I was the pastor's wife that, that, that I, was, I, I was trying to make that happen. And I lived and for probably the first 10 years of us pastoring, I was in that perpetual state of disappointment every Sunday because I was trying to get all my eggs in the basket at one time and I could not get every person there for even one service. And I was always in this perpetual state of disappointment. And one time finally heard Charles Neiman say, he's pastor out in El Paso, say, quit trying to make things happen that are never going to happen. And some of you, uh, you know, grandmothers can do that. You know, was somebody today said, well, they went to see their 28th grandchild. I'm so, oh, dear God, I don't even want that many. Hallelujah. <laughs> Oh gosh, can you may have 28 grandkids. One of their daughters has 11. She she wanted 12, and the doctor finally said no. Hallelujah. Of course she made could adopt one or something. But anyway, hallelujah. <laughs> but you know, grand, I've seen grandmothers do this like, well, I just want everybody to be here for Christmas. I just just want to get everybody here well you you can't get if you get a family that big you just can't get everybody there and you live in this perpetual state of disappointment because you'll never get them all there at once hallelujah it's the truth it's the truth so we don't need to have unrealistic expectations Um, I can't even read my own writing I had to write this let me see if I put my glasses on and read it Here's another one. (laughs) I'm going to finally get to the place where I don't have anything to overcome. Now, you may think that's funny, but I was like, I was, I always, when I was a young pastor's wife, I was like, I'm still a young pastor's wife. When I was a younger pastor's wife, hallelujah. When I was a younger pastor's wife, I was like, one of these days, if I pray enough, say enough, do enough, I'm going to get rid of all the problems in the church. I really did think so. And I labored under this thing of what's wrong with me. Why can't we get it together? Why, what is wrong with us that we can't get, you know, as soon as we get one thing solved, something else. You know, and I remember where I was, we were in K Bob's restaurant in the restroom, me and another pastor's wife, and she said to me, and I don't know what I had said, but something I said caused her to say this, and she said, Debbie, you're always going to have problems in the church. I was like shocked. I really was. And some of you are like that. You, you, you know, sometimes you, you're shocked when the devil attacks you. You are not going to be effective at fighting the devil if you're shocked every time a problem comes. And it takes you three days. First of all, you kind of pout. Like, I just can't believe this is happening to me. And because you and you just like, and, and and you know, and God, this is just not a good time. I just got over this other thing. The devil knows, just soon as you, you have to watch right when you've just had a victory, watch out. Be on your guard. Because that's when he likes to come and slap you because you've let your guard down. Whoo! Made it through that one. Hallelujah. Got victorious. Whop! Hallelujah, that's when you need to be on guard. Hallelujah. I've noticed this. I've noticed this. Just when, when you have the thought, it's been a long time. Man, praise God, it's been a long time since. Watch out. I, you, I have proved this over and over. Every time I have the thought, praise God, hadn't had any sinus or cold or any of that kind of stuff. Hadn't had any in eight months. It's like, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. I, yeah, I finally figured out this is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is saying, put, put, come on, beef up, get, get in the Word, you know, strengthen up, because it's coming. The devil's going to try something. Y'all are looking at me like you don't like that. It is unrealistic expectations to think that you're ever going to get to a place where you don't have something to overcome. And I used to think Brother Copeland didn't have nothing to overcome. I really did. I thought him and Jerry Savelle and all that, because you know every time I saw them, they had it all together. And I didn't know they was in the pulpit, you know, believing God, not to throw up on anybody sometimes. I mean, not every time. But I didn't know they ever had to do that. And I thought there's something wrong with us. Something wrong with me, because I had to fight the good fight of faith. Until Jesus, until you pass over to the other side, you will be fighting the good fight of faith. You're not going to ever arrive. You're never going to get to the place. You know, I used to think, oh, if we could just get to the place where we didn't have to believe God for finances. I found out you're never going to get there, folks. You will never get to the place. Why? Because He always is stretching you. God's stretching you faith. You won't get to the place in the faith walk. Now you may get to the place, but people that are there, people that are there that they, they they don't believe God for finances they're sitting on the can canning all they get, afraid to move, afraid to spend, afraid to run the air conditioner. Tell me about it Yeah, got food in their refrigerator that they won't throw away that's scary yeah, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God because why cause Fear of lack, fear of lack. As soon as you quit believing God financially, the fear of lack comes in. You always going to have to be stretching. Always believe in God. You're all, so so. You're going to live in a perpetual state of disappointment if you don't. If you have unrealistic expectations that you can ever just sit back and take it easy, not believe God, and you know you get to looking around. You think, well, Brother Copeland don't have to believe God financially. Well, I bet he does. You don't have, know what his TV bills are, what the electric bill is out there at Eagle Mountain. You don't know what it, it costs to, how much does it cost the Mark Barkley for his plane? Help me with that. You know, just to fly the plane, some, What? yeah he that would be just our part, but anyway, something like five thousand dollars or something like that just to fill up the plane. that's before gas went side too. It's probably more than that now. But anyway, five thousand dollars just to fill up the plane, you know, sometimes we look at these guys that are big guys of faith and we say, "Oh man, they arrived, and here I am, man, I'm having to believe God to make the car payment. And you know, I've been through all of this stuff. Um, Not all of it, probably. I'm sure they've been through some stuff. I haven't, but I've been through a lot of it. I know, I remember um, we had a little paid-for Cavalier. That's what we was driving. Pastors of a Faith Church. And this wasn't even a new Cavalier. This was a used Cavalier that we had bought, and somebody had smoked in it. But we got that thing paid paid for, bless God. I mean, it had been smoked in the previous owners. We didn't smoke in it. (laughs) I'm going to make that clear. Hallelujah. About the previous owners. And you know, sometimes they can cover up that smell, but if it gets hot enough, it starts easing out of the seats, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Well, anyway, we had this cavalier. The Lord spoke to me one night. He said, time to believe me for a new car. Uh, and uh and and not so, know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> And he just called my attention to the fact that our neighbors across the street driving a Lincoln Continental. Not a town car, but a Continental. Brown, nice. That was pretty. We had always admired that car. Thought it was real pretty. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, he called my attention to the fact that it had a for sale sign in the back seat or back window. And so uh, God opened the door where we bought the Lincoln Continental. And I think our payment was like 290 something dollars a month. That's the good old days, wasn't it? Hallelujah. That was in probably 1990 or something like that, maybe 89-something. Anyway, we're about $290 a month. But just remember the Cavalier had no payment on it. And you know, things where we were being stretched in our faith. We were believing God. And one night I just go, oh, you, you can get tired of getting stretched in your faith, can't you? And I mean I was just crying, Oh, God. And I just was in my and my washer and dryer was in the garage with the Lincoln Continental. And so I was doing laundry out in the garage. I looked over at that Lincoln Continental, and I said, Oh, God, I wish we'd have just kept that Cavalier, because then we would have $300 a month that we don't have now. As clear as I've ever heard him, he said, No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have any more than you have right now. And I'm like, Why? And he said, He said, Because your faith is bringing in that $300 a month. And if you didn't have that payment, your faith wouldn't bring in the $300 a month. You wouldn't even have that. So sometimes, you know, always press forward, folks. Hallelujah. So we just pressed forward through those $300 a month car payments. Hallelujah. And it wasn't very long until we had a $500 a month car payment. And it wasn't too long after that we had a $600 and something dollar a month car payment. Hallelujah. And you say, well, I, I, I don't believe in car payments. Well, I don't believe in stagnant faith either. And until you get there, you're not there. And sometimes people try to get there before they're there. And you can drive something. I'd rather have a car payment and believe God than have something that you couldn't, couldn't, that don't run. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, hallelujah, finally got plate. we don't have a car payment. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. So guard against unrealistic expectations. The fourth thing the Holy Spirit's been saying is, uh, He's been talking to me about complaining. Ooh, say complaining. Hallelujah. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. It's so easy to get over into just the habit of complaining just complaining about everything i mean folks and i'm i'm guilty as all so i just stand convicted right here we can even complain get to complaining about the heat and you know we got need you know really folks does it change anything for us to complain about the heat does your temperature go down 10 degrees when you complain about how hot it is hallelujah and i can't even find numbers i had it this afternoon okay Numbers eleven one and when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Now, you know, the last thing I need right now is for the Lord to be displeased with me. I mean, I'm in a position, I don't know if you are in this position, but right now I'm in a position, I need him to be happy with me. I mean i i because I've stretched my faith to the point where, like Pastor said the other night, is if you make a you, God loves it when you're in this place too. It's like if you even bobble you're, it's, it's over. you know <laughs> huh right And you know you, you're out on the limb, you've done sawed it off if you don't you know if you don't just breathe just right every day, if you don't do if you've got to stay in faith or it's over. You'll be just like Peter, you'll be underwater. And a bunch of you are in that position right now. And I don't need God to be displeased with me. I need Him to be happy. You know, I don't know about God how He does it when He gets displeased with His children, but I know um, it can't be good. Hallelujah. And so he says, and when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Well, say, everybody say, thank God God. for the dispensation dispensation. of grace. grace. Hallelujah. So we know that the fire is not going to just start burning through here because if it was, it already would have. Hallelujah. Because we've already probably complained a bunch today. And here's the sad part to me about complaining is you can do it so much you don't even know you do it. And that's that. That's scary. I mean we've got to get a hold of this and just say okay I'm going to quit complaining about anything and everything. I'm not going complain, to complain about it being hot. Let's all just say that together. Uh, let, let, wait a minute. Let's put a time limit on this. Let's say from now Until Wednesday night, we're not going to complain about it being hot. Okay, from now until Wednesday night, we're not going to complain about how much it rains. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, there are people that would give anything for that rain. In fact, in West Texas, when they have a big rain, they used to call it a million-dollar rain. That was a million-dollar rain. My father-in-law would say, that saved me a million dollars. And he's not exaggerating. I mean, his, uh, his electric bill every month just on watering his crop is a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. I mean, just, un, you know, you just like, who can imagine just to run the wells for his, uh, his, his electric? Plus, the wells are pumping off out there. They told us in West Texas as farmers that there was plenty of water down underneath, but they, but they lied. And the wells are pumping off, and there's no water down there. Not not near the water that it used to be. And so, a, a million dollar rain. So, hallelujah. When you see it, when you see it raining this week from that uh, tropical, whatever, it'll be, you know, well, you just say, that's that's worth millions. Amen. That's worth millions. Okay, talking to Psalm 77, verse 3. We've got to break ourselves. I know this, does, this is not a run around the church sermon, but we need. these are things that will help us get to a place where we have something to run around the church about. Um, you know, we've got to get to the place where we break this habit of complaining about everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, <clears throat> Psalm 77.3 says, I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. You know, when you complain, all the good things in, of God are coming out of your spirit. The last thing you need is for your spirit to be overwhelmed. In other words, when you get your spirit overwhelmed, you're living out of the flesh and out of the soul. You're not living out of your spirit, man. The Lord said three things to me about complaining. He said, it's an atmosphere for the devil to work. I don't, have you ever walked in a store and you could tell it wasn't, something was not right about the atmosphere? Didn't like being there. Ever been in somebody's house and you go, I don't, there's something not right here. I don't know what it was. Don't know what anybody did here, but somebody did something and the atmosphere is not right. That's what complaining will do to the atmosphere around you. It'll make it an atmosphere where the devil likes to come. The devil doesn't like to come to the atmosphere of thanksgiving, to the atmosphere of praise. He stays away. We need to do everything we can to keep him away. Number two, Uh, when you complain you don't see the blessings now uh, when he said this he's not talking about uh, just that the blessings don't come he's talking about when they come you don't even see them you don't recognize them you you there'll be blessings all around you and you're complaining and you don't see it y'all see what i'm saying you know, because I was in the, just, just, uh, that's where I was when God showed me Corey Ten Boom. I'm complaining because if the temperature's not right. But I was sleeping on clean sheets. Do y'all see what I'm saying? And it wasn't hot as having five people sleeping in the bed with you, or however many was on that that platform she was on. It wasn't that hot. In like nobody was in the bed with me. I wasn't sticking to anybody's body. Don't you like, don't you hate to stick to somebody? Y'all are looking at me like, oh, no. I don't know what you're talking about. No, I don't want to be stuck up against somebody. Hallelujah. I didn't really, I didn't have anything to complain about. And probably part of the reason I couldn't sleep is because I was just being too sensitive to my environment. We're too sensitive To the natural realm. We need to get where we're not so sensitive to what's going on in the natural realm. And we're tuned into the spiritual realm. And so when we are, we won't notice. Amen. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 10.10 You know, I was safe that night. There was nobody about to hurt me or anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to myself. I know y'all don't need this. Uh, you know he's talking here about the children of Israel in First Corinthians ten, and he says, uh, verse nine, neither let us, well. Okay, he tells us a bunch of things not to do. Verse nine, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Verse ten, neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. So it invites the enemy to come in when we murmur, or this word murmur is also just like complaining. It's the same as complaining. Amen? Okay, the last thing that the Lord started speaking to me that we need to talk about, and we're winding down here, but is uh, he said to maintain a spirit of faith at all costs. Maintain a spirit of faith at all costs. There are no unmovable mountains. Faith will work on anything. Anything in your life, faithful, work on it. Refuse to think small. I don't care where you are financially. I don't care what you're living in. I don't care what the circumstances are. Refuse to think small. And here's what he said. Keep stretching to greater things. Fight off poverty thinking. You have to fight against poverty thinking. Now, especially when you were in an atmosphere that, like we were in this week. Because poverty thinking was just, it was deep where we were at. Hallelujah. Uh, praise God. Poverty thinking comes from an unrenewed mind. Minds that aren't renewed to what the Word of God says. Are, but Even if they've had money before, they're going to, well, you know, we're 70-something years old. You know, we're, we're on a fixed income now. Hallelujah. Well, you're only on a fixed income if you fix it. And so I'm not making fun. I'm just telling these are things we need to guard against. And you have to fight that poverty. You're going to have to fight it off with all your might. Amen. We have to fight the price of gas. We have to fight that that... It, you know, the price of gas has no effect on us if we stay in faith. It is of no consequence. I don't care if it goes to $5 a gallon. If we'll stay in faith, God didn't change Philippians 4, 19. My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I have to drive a car. I have to come to church. I have to go to work. He has to supply my need. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, but I got to stay in faith. I got to keep my eyes on Jesus. Got to keep my eyes on the promise, and I can't start complaining all day, every day about boy, gas is so high. Hallelujah, Hallelujah! If you'll keep in faith, it'll work to your advantage. You can buy their big car cheap. The, The you can buy a big car cheap. Hallelujah. If you want a big car, that is. Hallelujah. So, anyway, <coughs> fight off poverty thinking. Resist lack with everything you have. We are a faith, we have to resist lack. You got to constantly resist it. It's coming at you from every direction. I'm telling you, they're talking it at work, they're talking it at the university, they're sure talking it on TV they're talking lack we've got to remember that's true for them but we're not in their system we opted out that's right we opted out of that system We got saved, we got translated over into the kingdom of of light. We came out of that kingdom of darkness. We came out of that kingdom where Satan is the god of this world system. We're not of that kingdom. Our resources, our finances aren't of that kingdom. The devil's not in control of our kingdom. And the only way he can affect you is if you succumb to what they say and you succumb to the forecast. I don't care if you lost, a, I heard somebody the other day say they lost $100,000 last year. I didn't ask where. I don't know if it was in Vegas or on the stock market. You know, didn't care. Hallelujah. But I will tell you, if you lost $100,000, I pray it wasn't in Vegas. Uh, hallelujah. But if you lost $100,000, all your stock crumbled and went to the ground, if you'll stay in faith, it doesn't matter. It's just paper. God's got more paper. amen but if you're gonna cry over it and wail over it and weep over it if you lost a house if you lost what what are houses God's got more amen and I'm not I'm telling you we need to get our eye on what the word of God says for your sake he became poor that ye might be made rich. I don't care what your bank account says. The truth is you're rich. The, and if you've been sowing, you have deposits in heaven. You have a heavenly bank account and it's a multiplying at a supernatural rate of interest. It's not drawing 1.8%. That, he, if you're smart, you'd go get all the money out that's in that 1.8% savings account and get it in the kingdom of God working for you. Hallelujah. We're secure. I have financial security. Praise God. God still has angels. He still has ravens. He still has widows. He still has a brook for you to sit by. He can still get fish, fish to bring coins up. He can still cause water to come out of rocks. I'm tired of storing water for hurricanes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. No, we got to keep stretching to greater things. Fight off poverty thinking. Resist lack. Faith will cause you to shout while the walls are still standing. Some people don't understand. I know there was people here this morning, and we sang that song, Shout for the victory. Shout if you've been set free. And they were like, yeah, but I hadn't. Yeah, well, you hadn't, you hadn't, you hadn't figured it out yet, folks. It's been done. It's done. You're set free. You're free. You may not feel it. You may not look it, but you are. And if you'll shout, you've got to shout before the walls fall. Thank you, Lord. The spirit of faith will cause you to dance like David did when the Ark of the Covenant was returned to Jerusalem and the glory returned. People don't understand why do you dance in church? It's a faith act. It's because of what we know. It's because of what we know. It'll cause you to run like Elijah did when the hand of the Lord came upon him. People, why do y'all run in that church? Because we believe. Because we know. Because we know we're free. Because we know we're rich. Because we know, hallelujah. And it'll cause you to sing and praise God loudly, as Paul and Silas did at midnight when they were imprisoned and in chains. In Mark seventeen twenty, if you'll turn there, we're we're winding up with these two scriptures, and well, maybe two more. I just saw two more. I wrote down. We'll see. We'll see. Mark seventeen twenty. Excuse me. Help me. Is there no seventeen of Mark? There's Mark sixteen. You're right. Wonder if it's well. Anyway, I'll just quote it to you. And y'all find it. It says, "If you have faith, nothing shall be impossible to you. Sometimes the typer is a little. Matthew, Matthew 17:20. Okay, it was the, the typewriter. Matthew 17:20, "If you have faith, nothing shall be impossible to you. Now I want to tell you something. there's a lot of people that things are impossible to them, because there's a qualifier here. If you have faith, nothing shall be impossible." Hallelujah. The spirit of faith. The spirit of faith. Mark 9, 23. Maybe this is right. Y'all can tell me. I know there's a Mark 9. Mark nine twenty three. Jesus said unto them, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Hallelujah. If you can believe, it's possible. If you can believe it, it's possible. The only way you can believe it, though... You can't believe anything that's not in the Word of God. You can't believe it unless it's in the Word of God. You can't believe you're going to the moon. You can't believe that. You can say you believe it, but in your heart, you can't do it without doubting in your heart. Why? Because it's not in the Word. That you're going to the moon. But you can believe, My God shall supply all my need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Bless God. You can believe it. And you can do it without doubting in your heart. You can know we'll never lack. Never. We'll never be- beg for bread. My children will never beg for bread because pro- it's in the word. It's in the word. It's a promise. It's pro- and if I, I all I have to do is believe the promise. Amen, amen. I can believe no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. I can believe it. It's there. I can believe Proverbs says the house of the righteous shall stand. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can I, it's a promise. I can believe it. I don't even I it, hallelujah. It's, it's it's possible to me. Amen. Cuz I can believe it. The spirit of faith will make you leave your comfort zone. And here's the thing. And like it. Did you know the spirit of faith will also make you leave everybody else's comfort zone? Now turn to Mark, 11, Hebrews eleven, verse eight. Hebrews eleven, eight. You know, this week they said to us. One, uh, one of the parents said. Uh, I think Michael said to one of his parents, said, uh, and you know, we're just being honest and candid. We like, you know, hey, if we can learn from this. And he said, uh, you were mad at us when we moved to Alabama. Because we kind of got some things resolved out there this week. And they said, no, we're not. We just thought you were making big mistakes. Why? Because we got out of their comfort zone. You know what I'm saying? It became uncomfortable for them. When you get in the spirit of faith, there's going to be a whole lot of people not comfortable with it. The people closest to you may not be very comfortable at all. And I'm telling you, some of you get uncomfortable when we get in the spirit of faith. I know even uh, Brother Eric West, they moved over here. It made some of you uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? Yes, it did. Don't y'all tell me no because y'all are going up to them. What are y'all going to do? Well now what are y'all gonna do? Now well well well, uh do you, what are you got a job? Uh now what are you gonna well, well what are you gonna do? Well you don't know what you're gonna do? Some of the people in the spirit of faith church. See, cause it was that's not comfortable. Hallelujah. But you know what? They're comfortable. They're in the spirit of faith and they're comfortable. Hallelujah, and, you know, and, and, you know, the spirit of faith is like this. It's when you do something and three years from now you'll look back and you'll go, oh, my God, oh yeah. I cannot believe. I, I go that way. I look back and I think, I cannot believe I put all of my furniture in a U-Haul trailer. And I cannot, I, I look back and I go, and, and moved with $3,000, a six hundred something dollar a month car payment, no money for a down payment on a house, and I look back and I go, "Woo!" But see, I was in the, I was operating in the spirit of faith, and I was out of, I was out, I was out of my comfort zone, but I was happy about it. I was happy. You see, the spirit of faith will cause you to get out of your comfort zone and like it. So the key to all your problems is to get in the spirit of faith. And if you aren't happy about walking by faith, you're doing it in your mind. You're trying to believe in your mind instead of believing in your heart. And you got to turn your mind off. And you got to not think about what your mind... Your mind will say things. Uh, Hebrews 11.8. It says here. And this is the spirit of faith. By faith... Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither whether he went. The spirit of faith will go somewhere and not even know why he's going or, 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 uh, or where he's going. Amen? Hebrews eleven twenty four, And this is the last scripture. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. This is operating in the spirit of faith out of other people's comfort zone. You know, he he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Can you imagine what Pharaoh's daughter was saying? Oh, Moses, don't go. Oh, Moses, look how comfortable this palace is. Oh, Moses see she got out of he got out of her comfort zone and and the king the pharaoh's comfort zone hallelujah the spirit of faith will cause you to get out of your comfort zone and like it but why why are you surprised when other people don't like it that you're walking by faith? you know the doctor's not going to like it your mother's not going to like it for sure there's for sure it is for sure mother's not going to like it. Even if she likes it and knows it, God, she'll not like it some days. When she's, you know, when her, some days she'll be happy about it and, yeah, praise God. Yeah, yeah, I know you're supposed to. Yeah, praise God. And then when she's home by herself and she'll be like, oh, you know, <laughs> hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So maintain the spirit of faith. That's what the Holy Ghost is saying. Amen. That's what he's saying tonight. Those things. Don't complain. We're not complaining through Wednesday night. If somebody, if I complain, I hear all you have to do is just lift up one finger. Amen. Just hallelujah. Praise God. Well, we just said the the heat and the rain Hallelujah. Isn't that right? We didn't want to put on more on us than we could bear. <laughs> hallelujah. Not complaining. Not having unrealistic expectations. Maintaining the spirit of faith. Praise God. Praise God. And two more that I don't even remember. Hope you do. Let's stand up together. Thank you, Jesus.